and welcome to Kvikminderpod, an Icelandic cinema podcast. I'm Rob Watts, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend Ellie Cawthorn for another journey through the cinema of Iceland. I'm back from the US and ready to talk Icelandic movies once again. But before we begin, just a quick reminder that the second of our two fun-filled episodes of Flixwatcher podcast has now dropped and can be found on your podcast platform of choice. It was Ellie's pick this time, and we discussed the Elizabeth Moss starring Shirley, in which Moss plays the writer Shirley Jackson. A little different to my pick, Crank. This week, we're covering a new release, Oscar Thor Axelsson's Operation Napoleon, Frozen Conspiracy, an adaptation of Arnold Orindrithesen's best-selling novel. Starring Ian Glenn, Vivian Olafsdottir, Jack Fox and Olafur Dari Olafsson, and set in and around the city and on a chilly-looking glacier, this is an exciting English-language thriller filmed in English and Icelandic. Available to watch on demand from the 14th of August, I recommend seeing the film before going any further, as in our chat, Ellie and I go into spoilerific detail immediately. Sir, images from the search area in Iceland reveal some resurfaced materials. Go on. We assess an 80% probability it's the object we're looking for. Initiate phase one. These people, they'll kill both of you. Listen very carefully, Christine. We have your brother. What's the update? Initial search reveals no trace of Napoleon. I want to know everything about Kirsten Johanna's daughter and this professor. What can you tell me about a Nazi airplane crashing into Vatnajökull? We're talking about Operation Napoleon, a secret that could change the course of history. My father made me promise never to look for that plane. Said it would only bring death. I'm not fucking around. If there's something here, my men will find it. She has amassed a large amount of information on the wreck. Keep him alive until we find the woman. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Was Hitler on board the plane? Maybe. We began finding things. A group of people living in the shadows. We're not leaving without Napoleon. Hey Ellie. Hi Rob, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Back from the US. Yeah, big trip. Yeah, quite tired now, but um, <laughs> had a lot of fun, so that was good. How are you? I am all right, thanks. It's 
apocalyptic outside in the yeah. middle of July. But other than that, fine. Yeah, not the weather I was hoping Slightly to come Slightly damp back to. trousers that um, I've had from getting over here, but you know. Okay, we well, yeah. I tell you what will get you out the rain. Watching the film we're discussing today. Into a cinema or the sofa. Into the sofa plex and rather than the cinema. I think this is going straight to streaming. But it is coming to the UK, which is rather exciting. Woohoo! It's, uh, it's getting slightly more frequent now, these Icelandic made films coming to the UK. So, yeah, again, brand new film. It's called Operation Napoleon. And I think the British title has like a colon it subtitle. Does. What is Frozen it? Frozen Conspiracy. So Operation Napoleon, Frozen Conspiracy. Mm. Do people think that the UK love a co- like a colon and a subtitle? Because BBC Four documentaries always have mm. a subtitle. Do you know what? I love a subtitle because it means you go like, fun, exciting thing, colon, explaining what the thing is. Maybe it's because... Um, that you know, there's a lot of films called like Oper. There's been Operation Mincemeat recently, and then there's a big new film by Ridley Scott coming out called Napoleon. Operation Napoleon does say historical drama, so maybe they wanted to try and add, add a clause. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Give someone, give everyone an idea of a bit more of what the film is about. Um, in Icelandic, it's called Napoleon Skolin, but we get the extra subtitle. That's fine. It doesn't really help describe the film. I've attempted to write a synopsis for this film. So I'm going to read it out. You can laugh all you like. Okay, okay. And then, <laughs> and then what I'll do is read the press logline and see if that's any more clear. Okay. okay I so bet yours will be more entertaining. We'll see. Let's go. While out snowmobiling on a glacier, Elias and some friends discover the wreck of a Nazi plane. Classic. Yeah. Happens to us all while we're out snowmobiling. Often. Unfortunately for the three of them, some bad Americans have been searching for it too, and it's incredibly important cargo, which appears to be missing. Elias escapes their clutches and informs his sister Kristin, who works in the city. Kristin, together with a British historian who she once went on a date with, <laughs> attempt to figure out Elias's location on the glacier by digging into what secrets the German plane and the glacier might hold. I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. I'll go with that. I don't need the press one, thanks. Okay, then. Well, there is a quote I want to use from the press uh, logline because it pops up on every single synopsis that you see online now. And it's uh, (laughs) the vortex of an international conspiracy. (gasps) Now, that sounds pretty uh, dramatic and spy-like, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Did you find this film to be, you know, did it feel like a real conspiracy? Um. I think the problem is we don't necessarily uh, get to much of what the conspiracy is until quite late on. Uh, yes, agreed. Because um, are we jumping in with spoilers? I think we should. I should just, um, I'll put a, uh, a spoiler warning in the chat at the start. But yes, we're going to mm. spoil the film, as always. Well, at the heart of this is essentially a real conspiracy theory. Some is people- it? Yeah, oh, some- please tell. See, Ooh, historian. Always, you know, my history knowledge <laughs> will come in handy. Um, about this idea of lost Nazi gold. Okay. Which is like a long standing... I don't know if conspiracy theory is is fair, but a long standing kind of crackpot theory, I guess. Okay, crackpot. Um, I don't know even... Maybe even crackpot isn't fair, but it's there's not a lot of historical grounding 
in it. Right. Maybe it's not as far as a conspiracy theory to say that, because obviously the Nazis did steal a lot of really significant art treasures and there's a lot of stuff that went missing. Mm-hmm. But this idea that there's one train basically in some tunnels in Poland that contains everything, yeah. essentially the Nazis stole, including some bonkers stuff like artworks and this amazing thing called the Amber Room, which was, mm. um, was it in the Winter Palace? It was in some Russian palace and it was like a room literally made from amber. Wow. Um, all in panels, like all the walls were panels of amber. And so that was a real gold. place in Russia? That was a real thing. The amber yeah. room was a real thing. Um, and then also all this gold stolen from people. I thought the monuments men re- recovered all the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, obviously a lot is missing. So maybe conspiracy theory is unfair because, um, but basically there's no historians would not su- support the idea that there is this train with all this treasure on okay. hidden in some tunnels in Poland. But there was recently, a few years ago, um, some people found what they thought, they did some like radar scanning. Mm-hmm. I just re- reminded myself of this um, and thought that they'd found it. Oh. But they haven't. Where were they radaring? Poland. It's these tunnels oh. in, in these oh, mountains okay. in Poland. Wow. But they hadn't. What have they found instead there? Uh, <laughs> not, not a train not sure <laughs> not a train full of nazi gold no well i think it's interesting that you bring up the train full of nazi gold the you know it's the first thing that we're talking about because it's literally the last thing we learn about in the yeah. film which is probably one of the film's biggest flaws i think is that mm. essentially what this film is is a kind of indiana jonesy da vinci mm. code-esque type kind of romp thriller thing yeah searching for a MacGuffin, which we don't even know what that MacGuffin is. We know it's something about Napoleon, Operation Napoleon. We don't know what it is until the last like five minutes of the film. So do you think that you would have been more invested if you'd known about, you know, the Amber Room and the Nazi gold earlier on? (laughs) Of course. Like, I get that the film is trying to kind of keep it under wraps because they say things like, oh, it could be like a deadly poison or it could Mm. be... Uh, what else do they say? I... But maybe about halfway through we could have learned. Yeah, give us something. Whereas I'm like, I, okay, you're searching for something, but I'm not that invested because what is it? You know, it felt a bit like um, you know, like in Agatha Christie novels, where at the end, Poirot stands up and says. And just yes. to explain to everybody how this all unfolded, mm-hmm. it was this person at this time, and let's go back to this, and this was because of this. And it feels a bit like a weird structure. It's, yeah, I mean, so that is a structure that Christie obviously put in place and has yeah. been the kind of format for television detectives and things. But not thriller necessarily. No, exactly. Like, and it's not even, we're going to reveal who the bad guys are. It's yeah. just, you know that thing that we made you try and invest in? That this whole film is based on. Well, <laughs> now you get to know. Now we've, you know, found it. Um, anyway, I mean, we are right at the end. We've done an we... absolute classic where we're talking about the end of the film at the beginning of the yeah. podcast. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Um, and also there is a scene talking of Indiana Jones because mm. there are moments in this film that really want to be Indiana I mean, there's Jones. a joke about oh, Indiana Jones. Oh, there is Jones a joke as well. Where yeah. he, Steve, well, we'll go... We'll talk about Steve. Well, yeah, Stephen. <laughs> who is called, you know, somebody's joking, he says, oh, Indiana Jones over there. Mm, yeah. And there's a scene specifically near the end when 
uh, Kristin, played by Vivian Olafsdottir. She finds, she finally does find this thing that they're all looking for, a briefcase that a Nazi was holding, hidden inside a cave. So we're getting quite Indiana Jonesy anyway. And you think, oh, she's going to crawl around. She's going to find this amazing thing. And, you know, what could it be? And then it's just a dead body with a briefcase with some papers. It's uh, like, I want more. I want it at least, I don't know, some kind of trap. Booby traps, yeah. trapdoors. <laughs> I know that's a bit kind of much to ask, but even the whole film talks about how the glacier's melting. Something that could have caused a bit of yeah. tension or she might have fallen or something. But She's no. going to get trapped in mm. the ice. But I think we're being a bit too negative to begin with. Because this is quite a fun film yeah. for what it is, you know. It's a sort of easy Sunday viewing. afternoon, easy viewing, yeah, thriller. And I guess we should say who's involved and, you know, mm. and how it plays out. So this is a film by Oscar Thor Axelson, whose film I Remember You we've seen, mm. uh, which of course is another adaptation, because this is an adaptation of Arnaudur in Drithason's novel, Operation Napoleon. He's, of course, the guy who wrote Jar City and all of the Airlander books. Uh, so this was a standalone book that he wrote and was a hugely successful, popular book. Came out in 1999. And essentially, Axelson wanted the rights back then before he'd even entered film school, which is really interesting. <laughs> know. Funnily enough, he didn't get them um, as what, like an 18-year-old, 20-year-old uh, student. But 20 years later someone offered him the opportunity to actually direct the film. So here we are directing another adaptation. We know he can do adaptations well, because I remember he was, mm. I, from what, for my money, one of the better films we've, yeah, we've covered. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in this film, he joins together an all-star cast, uh, a worldwide cast, you might say, yeah. trying to sell this film beyond the Icelandic market. All so, the stars of British telly, you could hope for. <laughs> Well, headlining the film is Ian Glenn. Oh, I have to say, I bloody love Ian Glenn. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do here. No, but he was good at what he did. He, he's always good at what he does. Yeah, Whatever he's true. in, he's great. Sejora Mormont, you yeah. know, the hand of the queen, mm. essentially, like, amazing. Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know what else he's even in, to be honest with you. You need to I think he's in the, the Rig, which is some Scottish thing. Because he's Scottish, of course. Which I didn't actually know. He's oh. quite British in Game of Thrones. In this, he plays an American. Apparently, he was in Lara Croft Tomb Raider. I don't remember that. He was in oh, Downton Abbey. Can you remember watching Lara Croft Tomb Raider? <laughs> but that was the first DVD I ever owned. That and Shrek. Oh, nice. <laughs> Classic combo. But again, Lara Croft was a... Uh, Tomb Raider was very much one of these kind of action thriller, MacGuffin, gotta find the mm. thing and solve the riddle or whatever, wasn't it? So he's he's not unknown to these types of films. But yeah, he's great. And in this, he plays some sort of sinister... CIA man. Yeah, like a lot of what goes on doesn't feel like true CIA work. But um, <laughs> we'll get to that. We've also got Jack Fox, not Lawrence Fox. Yes. I, don't, I wish I hadn't even said his name, to be honest. So we but... should say that I texted you saying, Lawrence Fox, exclamation mark. Question I, mark, question mark. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> when I was watching this film. Turned out I was wrong, but I was actually incredibly close to being right because it's his brother. Yeah, his brother who I haven't really seen in anything. 
He was in that BBC thing, Cheaters, if you watch no that. No idea what that is. Uh, what else? Oh, he was in Fresh Meat. That's the one thing that I yes, have been told like he was in. he was like the posh bully, wasn't he? Or like a terrible posh man. Can't remember, but probably. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, that Fox Dynasty, there's so many of them, and they're all actors. They all also really look like they're part of the family. You know, like you well, can you... look at them and go, right, they're one of the foxes. Well, you did, for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have said it was Lawrence Fox, which it isn't, but... Do you have a favourite fox? So I would say Freddy Fox is my favourite. He so was Freddy in fox. Pride. He was in Cucumber. Okay, he was, so um, he's... I think he makes quite... He, is I he think, younger? Uh, Yes. Okay. Was he in War and Peace? Can't tell you. He makes seen quite that interesting... One. He's in quite good stuff. Okay, so like he's he probably mixing, mixing it up a bit better than uh, the others. <laughs> Possibly so. I had a conversation with my girlfriend about my favourite, Amelia Fox... Mm. Um, who seems like a lovely person and a great actress. She was brilliant in Randall and Hopkirk, Deceased, if you ever saw that with Vic no. and Bob. Fantastic. But like she's famous mostly for Silent Witness, yeah. which Sophie always tells me is just like the worst TV show ever. I mean, it's not great, is it? Come on. <laughs> I know. How is it still going if it's that bad? Is it still going? Yeah, I think so. Like series 47 or something. Still weird. with her? This has gone sideways, this conversation. <laughs> Talking of older English actresses, we even get Annette Badland in this film. I did not know that was her name. What a great name. Annette Badland. Yeah. But she is great. Do you know what she always, she was, this is so, this is a deep cut. Go for it. She was in this, like, I went on a rabbit hole after watching this film of um, BBC dramas from the 2000s. Okay. It was a drama called All the Small Things about a church choir. (gasps) Did they sing Blink-182 songs? They did. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all about this, like, hip and happening, like, choir master who was, like, shaking up the um, it was like a Gareth what's his face yeah Malone. who shook up the church choir but then also like Sarah Lancaster was in it okay. I found out because I looked I was like did I imagine that this program existed anyway looking back looked hilarious and but I thought it was really good at the time. okay <laughs> you're not the only one to have done that <laughs> exact deep dive such a deep dive I was like how have I got to here but I always think about is it Annette Badland yeah in my mind she is exactly um, <laughs> Umbridge from Harry Potter. She is who should have prayed. I think. Oh, really? You know, oh, Imelda Staunton is brilliant. Is brilliant. Yeah. But in my mind, her face is Professor Umbridge. Fair enough. I don't think I read that book, that novel, so I didn't have a face to the to the name. What you didn't read? I only went Harry what Potter. Book, and what book Phoenix? was it? Oh no, that's the one I stopped at. Oh. Yeah. Um, but Annette Badland currently or just finished in Ted Lasso. She plays oh, right. the barmaid or the landlord, publican, whatever. You, yeah, the publican. Um, but for me, I was like, when when she popped up in Ted Lasso, it's like, oh, I've seen her in like a million things. So I went back to IMDb, of course. She was in The Queen's Nose. <gasps> she was in See? The Worst Witch. She was oh, in my, yeah. all these children's classics. All the iconic, iconic CBBC dramas oh, yeah. from the... 
90s and 2000s. Yeah, she's a... Great a, to see her back Bit in of action. a ledge. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and she's popped up in this Icelandic-made thriller. Um, but to round out the cast, there are a couple of Icelanders who we already know. Mm. Vivian Olafsdottir, as I mentioned. She plays Kristen. We've seen her a couple of times this year, I think. Well, she it, it's her from It Hatched, right? Yeah. Okay. So she's had a bit of a glow up, I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, performances. I think she's getting better. She's pretty solid in this. Mm-hmm. Not as solid as Olafur Dari Olafsson. Uh, I mean, what a, what a guy. What always a big good to see him. Guy. I feel like he probably sort of just did a day on this film and, yeah. and that was that. But um, yeah, pretty good cast, to be fair. Mm. And in exactly the kind of yeah film you'd expect to see most of them in, as a Brit anyway. So let's talk about the story, which begins on a glacier. Mm. Essentially, we see we have a bit of 1945 footage. I actually thought CGI pretty good, not bad in this. It's mostly for the plane. Uh, very good. Um, and yeah, and then so Kristen's brother Elias is out there with his snowmobile mates, just having a lark mm. as you do. And then they find the plane, and it quickly gets pretty brutal. Yeah. Like, that was, I was so in the second that the yeah. the sort of assassin lady showed up. Yeah. I mean, it's a, an engaging premise, isn't it? Like, stumble across uh, something you shouldn't have. Mm. Um, I think the thing with this film is, if you just kind of switch your brain off a bit and go with it, it's a fun ride. Yes. If you start to interrogate the evidence too much, it, you know, perhaps doesn't hold up. The um, American assassins who turn up in a... Well, that leads me on to a question I have for you about this film, which is what you think the tone is, right? Mm. Or like the genre, I guess. Because on the one hand, we have these kind of serious moments. We have this like uh, action-y thing. There are moments of brutality. Nothing to... sort of top and tail the film, which was annoying to me because I thought, yeah, we're going to have some bloody shit going on mm. and then for like the most of the runtime it's not well. yeah um but then there are these also like humorous moments mm-hmm. um which are not as so you know like something like indiana jones i never keep referring to that but i think that is a important reference point yes. here the humor is in every sequence and it's baked in mm-hmm. um i think something like this you know it was like they had a kind of action sequence and they chucked a couple of jokes on there yeah. Um, did you? What did you think about like the tone of it? I think generally it just felt like it was trying to be just a straight thriller, mm. and yeah, like you say, those jokes pop up, and you know, thrillers have jokes, but they did sort of feel a little bit out of place. I think tonally the film is a bit shaky in that you've got a thriller, mm. someone at the center, fine, but then there's a sort of it's that relationship, relationship between. Vivian and Steve is sort of mostly played for romance and mm. comedy, but it doesn't really feel like that works at all. Mm. There's not much chemistry there. No. I'll say. And yeah, I to- I don't know. Tonally, it is a bit weird. The consistency of the look helps yeah. it feel like a thriller for the most part. So when these random jokes come out, it does feel a bit jarring. But I, I'm happy to go with a shit joke every now and then (laughs) um i was more concerned that they'd forgotten that this was going to be a violent film for an hour i wouldn't i wouldn't watch this film and call it a violent film 
No, but when you have a scene where a woman stabs a guy four times in the neck and face with a pencil. Oh, yeah. Then mm. then you, I was sort of ready for, you know, the chase. Because a lot of this film is the chase. I've never seen The Da Vinci Code, but that the trailer for that. You've never seen The Da Vinci Code? No, because it just looks so shit. Yeah, but that's why, that's why you have to watch it. I will one day, especially for or Paul Bettany. Or just going straight with angels and demons. Is the that Pope the worst in a helicopter. One? Oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> and the Pope is you and McGregor. Just to oh wow, that. okay, yeah, I'm in. Uh, but the trailer for that always just looked like people running from one place to another yeah. to another. And this is essentially what happens in this film. Don't you think that's a thing about like adaptations of book uh, thrillers? Like that's. Yeah. A- uh, and, and again, what we were saying earlier about the structure where at the end it's like, oh, and that's all the explanation of everything. It That feels to me quite like a book, quite like a book structure. Yeah. Where that's... we go to this place and we describe the place and uh, there's a little scene here and then we go to the next place and describe this place, encounter this new character, they tell us some information. I feel like that's just a thriller narrative generally. <laughs> I'm not, I don't yeah, read maybe. many books that just go, now we're going here, now we're going here, now we're going here. That, I think that's I think that's just generally the and no I'm not saying it's a positive thing mm. but that seems to generally be the kind of rule of these kinds of narrative arts. Narrat- yeah. Okay, I'll allow it. But I will say if you're going to do that you need to be explaining things pretty briefly, succinctly and on the move. It's like when we get to um Annette Badland's character whose name I can't remember. The film just stops. <laughs> He's like and let me just tell you all this shit for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was like it's quite boring, isn't it? Mm. And you don't actually really tell us that much because I still don't know what they're after. Mm. So it has pacing issues a little bit. It's just a bit jumpy um, and it never really settles into being one thing. Mm. Like, because it could very easily have been this proper American bad guy thriller with... What does... What's uh, Ian Glenn's character's name? Um, William Carr, the mm. son of a guy who was in the war who has been trying to find this plane ever since it crashed. Uh, if it had been all about just him tracking them down, mm. rather than scene of him saying, expand the search area, 30 clicks, and then another guy <laughs> walking around Reykjavik with a gun. I think if, just eliminate that one person and make Ian Glenn be the baddie. Yeah. That would have made the film a bit more kind of smooth, I think. Hmm, I haven't really clocked that, but you're probably right. Probably. I mean, I'm just riffing here. What's this supposed to be? Let my brother go. And I'll show you where it is. But I kill him unless you tell us. Yeah, right. And afterwards, you're gonna kill us both. Let my brother go. And when I know he's safe, you can get your briefcase. How do we feel then? Is we've established it's not that violent once you get past the initial violence. Uh, how do we feel about Kristen and Steve's relationship? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> the the premise of it just. It's quite funny, isn't it? It's, it's just, brilliant. She's like, oh, I've, the problem is I'm being hounded by an international, like, secret agency. And what I need to do to get away from this is solve a mystery from World War Two. <laughs> oh, 
I happen to know a world-leading expert in World War Two, And he's in Iceland, of he's course. He's in Iceland. He's also incredibly handsome. Can I just say, for fact-checking purposes, yeah. I have interviewed a lot of historians in my time and, and uh, worked with a lot of historians. I don't think I've ever met a historian as good-looking as this man. <laughs> you, you think he's an attractive man, do you? He's not my, what about he's not my type, but he... I mean, you can't deny... Come on, just look at him. He's got a good jawline. He's he's a prince charming, right? Sure. So cut your fucking hair. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it. Okay, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's very uh, convenient, isn't it? It's very convenient. And I think you, you, you put it so bluntly and you didn't even sort of bat an eyelid when you said, I need to save my brother by solving a mystery from <laughs> World War Two, Because that, yeah, maybe that should have been the plot line. She's mm. she's literally going, she's got to solve a mystery no one has ever solved mm. just to find out where her brother is on a glacier. I mean, what? I mean, the role of Steve is a funny one, isn't it? Because he's kind of, again, it's this weird line of, he's being played as like a kind of slight comedy role. He's yeah. Kind of it's like, oh, he's British, so he's probably funny. Comedy role, but then also a love interest, mm-hmm. but then also like um a really important explaining the plot person. Very much. You know, like exposition, making making things move forward and explaining the historical background. It's 1933 and Hitler is on the border <laughs> of the Rhineland. Like, he yeah, has to do yeah. a lot of that, doesn't he? He does. And I can't remember anything about that. It didn't <laughs> seem to help them that much. Uh, I was more distracted by the fact his office looked like a... like. A lawyer's office or something like. Oh yeah. Does a no. Does a historian have an office that looks like that? They had like <laughs> literally the whole shelf was like, um, what's Hansard? Yeah. Like, no historian has got an office that looks like this. No, the it's all books, piles of books everywhere. I mean, he had a lot of books, but they were very neat and they looked yeah. very much like not individual historical books. No. Um, more plot holes, but. <laughs> What? I feel like maybe we're, we're missing the point of this film by pointing out plot holes. Maybe. Let's do it anyway. It's hard, it's hard to hard not to. Um, maybe it's not a plot hole, but basically they go to the US embassy for some reason that he can just get in. Oh, and yeah, then they love, look in the historical records of the US embassy. I love how easy it is to get into the US embassy. You're just like, all right, mate, remember me? I did some archive work here. Yeah, sure, come in. Yeah, and he was really pleased to see him as yeah. well, wasn't he, that guard? <laughs> but you know a pretty face does get you quite far. Uh, no, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just like, oh, this is my research assistant. She's going to come in She's, too. She cool. doesn't look anything like the girl who's all over the news. What did they even go there for? Documents, Rob. Oh, yes. Something to do with the history of this yeah. plane crash. Which famously is like classified and nobody had any documents on it, but then they He said he even it. said it was classified and they couldn't get access, but let me try something. <laughs> okay, I've got it. <laughs> oh god. That's my favorite trope in any yeah. kind of film. I can't do it. Let me just Yep, got it. <laughs> I did a, a deep search. <laughs> See, this is where, you know, knowing how to use the archives really comes in handy when you're wanted for an international crime. That's true. Like anyone else would have been faffing around trying to log in, but he was straight in there. Yeah. Straight out of there. Um, 
I mean, I, we're laughing, but I sat down and watched this from en- top, from start to finish and I had a great time. But there, yeah, it's all nonsense. As long as you know it's nonsense, that's yeah, that's it, isn't it, really? It is trying to deal with, like, an issue very, very What's subtly. Climate change. Oh, is it really, though? I think it's trying to highlight... What, the, the glacier... So, you know, if climate change continues then we'll have to deal with all these Nazi artifacts, won't we, that are unveiled when the snow melts. It's quite exciting. It's probably historians (laughs) praying for the glaciers to melt, to uncover dinosaurs and shit. Um, But it is. And it it made me start Googling, you know, how much glaciers we're losing and stuff. And and there was one fact that Steve said that I was like, Mm. is that true? So I had to Google it. Mm. So the film is set on Vatnajökull, which is the largest glacier in Iceland. It's absolutely massive. Steve says it's the size of Wales. What? And I was like, huh? It's the size of Wales. That's mental. It's 8,000 square kilometres. Do they have ski resorts there? Uh, there are ski resorts in Iceland. I don't know if they're on the glacier, though. Feels like an untapped opportunity, if not. Well, let us Maybe know. I'm sure enough. someone is. You certainly walk on it, because... I haven't walked on that, actually. That's but. bananas. Yeah. Well, it's shrinking in volume by 15%. Oh, well, it has in the last century, oh, which God. is insane. So that's pretty bad. And that's all. That's what I've learned. But, like, that's mm. awful. It's really bad. And then, obviously, the people outside the U.S. Embassy are campaigning or protesting mm. about climate change. And it's a real issue. And everyone should fucking do their bit. That's my... Um, Over and out. There's a lot of like, go to this place, talk to this person, go to this place, look at this document. Her dad pops up. What did he have to do with anything? I don't know, but it was thrust to Leo, so that was quite <laughs> exciting. Uh, but yeah, it, you're right, though. She, it is just the kind of, it's by the numbers. We need this, go here. We need this. We need to, you need to find Steve, go to the Irish mm. bar. We need to find... Uh, it's a bit like a quest game. Yeah. Um, but I did I did think, just slightly jumping about a bit, that the Eli, Elias, her yeah. brother was very likable and like we i was like oh i hope he gets rescued you know i was yeah, invested, for sure. i was invested in his safety and he kept himself alive it was quite quite cool to see the kind of survival techniques just happening on screen like what i didn't understand yeah why did they torture him oh i've got absolutely no idea <laughs> because like just they were oh, like oh we need to keep him alive or maybe because they want they need to kill Kristen because she's because she's a witness and in order to get to her because they because the headhunter guy is having no luck mm. they need to they need him to go to need her to go to him yeah but why would torturing him help with that oh because they're bad <laughs> also he didn't even need to be alive because she was going there anyway but um, yeah yeah he, they're just bad people and that yeah. one woman she really just she got out a yeah. pencil again yeah what's she doing with that pencil do you think that there's really like assassins that are just like ruthlessly 
you know, like born conspiracy type assassins, which yeah. this is what they're going for here. That are really just going around killing everybody. Like, wouldn't it be easier to just, you know, rather than kill the people that witness this plane, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be easier to just be like, oh, hey, we're actually filming a new movie here. It's set in Nazi Germany. Can't believe you stumbled across our film set. Have a nice day. Yeah, maybe that would work. Like, then you have the, all these unexplained deaths you have to well, deal with. Yeah, Although but no one's going to find them in the middle of the, the glacier. Yeah. Crev- is that the word? Thus, the crevasse. Cre- yeah, yeah. Cre- crevasse. Crevice is another... Th- crevice, <laughs> like, is a crevice a small one and a crevasse a big one? I think so. Crevice sounds a bit like... I dropped my, uh, dropped my two pence piece down the crevice behind the crevice fireplace. Crevice is what we have in the floorboards in our that, new house. Yeah, that's it. Loads of crevices. Oh, not, God, you're going to be losing your coins everywhere. Even a couple of crevasses. Shit. <laughs> there honestly is some big ones. Found any dead bodies yet? Uh, no. We did have to put the plank of wood over a really big hole. <laughs> what? In case... In case there's a, in the, this is unrelated. There's a hole in the living room that's like, honestly, this, like, you could... A person's face, you could see mm. through it. Just to the earth. But like... Just into the, there's no basement. No. Just the, the So under we put of the house. a couple of bits on it in case a rat wants to poke his head up in there. Oh. I don't even know how rats get in there anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I would probably seal that up ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I doubt there are any rats on the glacier though. Yeah, they probably can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. Probably not going to survive. Yeah. I know they're pretty hardy, but uh, there's not a lot of mm. nature out on the glaciers. What a, um, what a neat segue that was. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> um, talking of the glacier, actually, yeah. So this was, I said it was based on Vatnajökull, which is the biggest one. It was filmed on... Are you telling me that they had a glacier the size of Wales and they there wasn't space to film this on it? <laughs> I'm not saying there wasn't space. I'm saying it's a lot further away from Reykjavik. Right, okay. So they, yeah, so they filmed it on Langjökull, uh, which is like two hours from Reykjavik. Plus the time to get on the glacier. Whereas Vatnajökull, which I did visit, but didn't go on any of the glacier when mm. I went the last time, is like f- sort of five to seven hours drive. You're not going to get your crew there, your cast there every day and film a day's worth of fil- filming, are you? The flight path would probably be close to the glacier, but a bad weather or navigational errors might have pushed it off course. I mean, that's a big area. Mm. Vatnajökull is huge. Yeah, almost the size of Wales. And now, as far as I can tell, four operations were mounted on the glacier from the former US Air. One in 1952, another in 1959, a funny louder one in 1988. Ostensibly, the last one and the first two were army exercises, but the one in 1967 was part of the Apollo training program to prepare lunar astronauts for conditions on the moon. I mean, they all could have been a cover for something. A search for something on the glacier. Like the plane, right? Maybe. It's interesting, isn't it, that this... Something that I encounter a lot in my working life is the enduring obsession with World War Two and the mm. Nazis. Like, people are just still... Oh, mate, I've so watched, watched any World War Two thing, probably. So fascinated. Not with the documentaries, necessarily. Just... With the Nazis. And it's interesting that even... So Iceland, which, you know, was officially neutral in World mm. War Two. There was a U.S. Army base there. Yeah, so like allied, affiliated, but officially neutral. That They are also presumably fairly in like 
interested in World War Two and the Nazis when they they technically weren't a combatant as well. It's interesting. Yeah, I suppose so. I'm sure that people in Iceland are going to be saying, "Well, it was massive, massively affected them." World War Two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, people. So it obviously had an impact, but just you know, it's not just the British they're obsessed with World War Two and the Nazis. No, I mean, if we're going back to like talking about this film actually making it to the UK, mm. whereas so many films that have been released in Iceland in the last year or two haven't yeah. made it over here. This is one that's like clearly been like yeah. tailored to a world yeah. audience, especially a UK audience. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? This A lot of it is in English. Yes, um, it starts in Icelandic, doesn't it, for quite mm, a while. But that that's intriguing. Like, for example, the, the choice to cast so many British actors mm. in roles that, I mean, obviously the CIA agent has to be American. Except he's Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the Steve, our mate Steve. Steve, yeah. And crazy Annette lady. Yeah. They they could have been Icelandic. They, they? could have been. Like, it's, in, it's clearly about kind of appealing to a wider I'd, audience. Yeah, I'd say is. so. Yeah, no, totally. I mean... Jack Fox isn't someone that immediately I would see and go, I'd better watch that. But yeah, the whole thing about it being in Icelandic and in English, it's starring British actors and Icelandic actors and German actors, actually. I think had a lot of German funding as well. I think this is the way that like mm. st- films, especially they're going to streaming, are now being made. It's like, well, if we want to sell it to Netflix or whoever, then it needs to appeal to the biggest audience. and. Mm. The subject matter of World War Two, like you said, is so so popular mm. that yeah, it's going to appeal to the largest possible market. I guess that sounds a bit cynical, mm. but it is based on a novel that was written twenty odd years ago. Like I wonder, you know, in the novel, is Steve British Steve? Yeah, or, or is he Stefan? Stefan, <laughs> well, it could be. I I don't know. It's one of the few Indrithison novels I haven't read. Um, I don't think I even own it. So better. Uh, Correct that. I'll read it one day and I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, this could have been an entirely Icelandic film with even... Who do we know that can do a good American accent? Uh, I reckon Ingvar could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't give him too many lines. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it could, it could easily have been a film we never saw. But here we are. Mm. We get to talk about it on the podcast, yeah. which is fun. And let's talk about the very end. So you've been off mic begging me to talk about the end. Um, yeah. I would say this film really gets going at the start. It then becomes a kind of, like you say, game of just like, just a chain of events and places to go and people to see that involves like going to a a really pretty place, show off the Icelandic landscape, goes to a steam baths at one point, uh, goes to Olaf or Darry Olofsson's farm at one mm. point. Um Meeting some weird, different characters. Yeah, we all know where this is going, but it's just a chance to, you know, see the country, meet some more people and make it a film, <laughs> essentially, until we get to the points that you want to talk about the most. So mm. go. Well, we've discussed a, this kind of concluding point. I mean, we discussed right at the start about it really being about this lost Nazi gold and finding a map for the Nazi gold. So you're like, ah, there is the answer. And then there's this kind of weird coda. Yeah. This is what I wanted to talk to Okay, you about. so the film resolves before this point. Yeah. The film resolves that... We're all mates. 
Ian Glenn's dead. Ian Glenn got killed by Olafur. Looking great in a really good roll neck. Yeah, he did look good. A roll neck works very well on an older man with a beard. I'm getting a good insight into your tastes (laughs) here, Ellie. You've still got a few months till you get married. uh... (laughs) It's not too late for Ian Glenn to come (laughs) a-knocking. Oh, yeah. Was was his outfit better than Olafur Darry's when he's dressed up in his, like, polar hunting gear? Because yes. that was a good outfit. I think so. Oh, okay. Or maybe it's, yeah. Well, fair enough. So Ian Glenn dies. The others get off the glacier. Kristen, reckon, uh, Kristen rescues wearing a, Elias. Wearing a silver moon snow suit. suit with no explanation. Well, there was a sort of throwaway line because Olafur Dari is sort of also comedy relief in some way. And he opens his wardrobe and there's like a whole bunch of girl stuff. Women's clothes, I should say. Um, Girl stuff. (laughs) And he pulls out this one, yeah, like you say, silver moon style snowsuit. And he tells Steve, like, I had a girlfriend. It's a long story. And that's it. Weird. So random and unnecessary. Something. Yeah, fine. (laughs) It it provided a bit of color. Um, she looked cool on that mm. snowmobile in that outfit, though. Yeah. Yeah, so she rescues Elias. They all get off the glacier. The Americans are done. This massive vortex of international conspiracy is over. Well, yeah, how? Because it's just like, oh, well, Ian Glenn's dead, so no one else is bothered. I'm uh, like, yeah. what about all these, like, 40 people he's employed to carry out this mission? Yeah. Were they everyone... just like, oh, well, our boss is dead, so let's just go home. Let's just stop, yeah. Like, after 40 years of the CIA... <laughs> Faking like investigations on the glacier. At We've murdered times. several people to get to this point, but no worries. Uh, he's gone. I mean, yes, he probably was the only impetus to keep going. I mean, the fact that they did find the thing, you'd probably want to finish it, wouldn't you? But yeah, the, she got them. She got the the thing they needed and mm. got off map, off grid. I don't know. I, I was watching The Handmaid's Tale yesterday and in order to get off grid, they had to get on a train and like secretly and end up on the other side of the country. But here, it seems like they can just walk down the glacier back to Reykjavik and yeah, they'll all get forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Although they are on a plane, aren't they? There's a plane crash. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, in Dakota, yeah. Yeah. So we get the explanation of, oh, well, it was this train full of Nazi gold, which is the real one that we talked about. Is that the thing that they were wanting to recover, right? I was confused because, yes, the thing they wanted wasn't on the plane. Yes, Kristen found the missing Nazi officer with a briefcase. And the briefcase had all sorts of information about how the US and the Nazis were working together. But the only thing they focused on was how, in a potential sequel we could find this train yeah. full of gold. Is that the whole thing? Is it about trying to find the, the gold or is it was it about the paperwork and everything that could come out of that? So I think it was about find the map. What it was was the map to where the gold was hidden. But then I didn't really get how... Yeah, I agree. I was also confused. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't get the connection between this plot to get Hitler to South America. Oh, but that didn't happen in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was confusing. So the US wanted to help Hitler. Or escape. some of them did. Yeah, they were 
some M office, yeah. some US. I mean, that's also officers. drawing on like long-standing real conspiracy theories, obviously. Yeah, about Hitler sure. Going to South America, but it's kind of conflated too. And it's that like, was that was the thing. Yes. So you've reminded me now. So the plane was carrying this plan, and it went down. And as a byproduct of them finding this plan, our merry gang of not quite Indiana Jones or Mission Impossible <laughs> troop uh, now have a new mission. Do you think Ian Glenn was after the train or he was after the proof that the US were trying to smuggle? Hitler was he going to hide the fact that so he could I destroy them? So. Because it was like his. It was his dad. dad. Yeah. Which is not great. It's not really something that you massively want to advertise. No. So maybe he's trying to hide that and then also get the map with the gold. Yes. Maybe he maybe he knew about the map. Maybe he didn't. But what we find out, there is a map. And it sort of like sets up this weird yeah. idea that there might be a sequel with this random group of people. But then the random sequel in Poland. This would be strange. It would, certainly would because be Because also as a sequel, they would just have, um, they have a map telling them where it is. So yeah, but Indiana to... Jones had a map. It doesn't always go to plan. It gets stolen they, some, from them. Someone from sent... that group of US people will be like, we need to find those guys again and chase them down. I hear they're in Poland. Do you think this is what they were setting up? I, think, also, I think the sequel would be better. The hitman was on the plane. He end. was on the plane. But was he just with his wife? Well, he was just on his way back to the US via Poland. And then, well, it was just like um, the woman was like, oh, wake me up when we get there. No, that, I think that was meant to be more sinister. Like, have we had we seen her? Was she oh, someone at the know. US embassy? I can't know. Yeah, by that but point, so I couldn't is remember. Is he just after them? Like, you know, he's going to follow him to Poland and cause mischief in number two. I don't know. Horror films do this quite a lot where it's usually in a post-credit mm. sequence. There's like a thing that Drag almost sets up a sequel and then doesn't, but you don't really understand it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that might be what's happened here. They've like gone, let's do a bit of intrigue at the end, but make it open-ended, but yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It was just strange because we have this kind of concluding sequence where they're explaining everything in Little Bunker. Oh my god! And then it's like the whole thing is like re were at the start of a different story for the last like, and not just like one minute, like ten minutes. It was a good ten minutes, yeah. That's not how films should be structured, as far no. as I'm aware. We'll tell everyone what we were after in the last ten minutes, and then we'll crowbar in a mm. the, almost the start of another film. Yeah, it was a bit weird. I think I would like to see the sequel. Because it sounds more exciting. I want to find. I want them to go hunting in the Polish tunnels, Alps, and tunnels, and find yeah. gold and like. Because that's what I know. I mentioned him a hundred times, but Indiana Jones was after yeah. Nazi shit in the original. Well, no, he wasn't after Nazi the shit. Na- the, Nazis the Nazis were after, were after the him. Cinema. Yeah, um, I think it would be a more fun film. Mm. Um, just make it an actual ripoff. <laughs> you know, like Mission Impossible. I haven't seen it yet. It's just come out in the uk the new one we've got our little gang now none of them are particularly tech savvy but like there's three of them you've got a gang you've got your goal go for it mm. that seems like a better setup than one woman trying to do whatever she's trying to do yeah 
Do it's, we know if the book has a sequel? The book does not have a sequel. I don't know okay. how the book ends. I, I'm sure there will be listeners who have read the book. Please get in touch on social media. <laughs> Please, we need to know. Let us know how it ends because, um, and tell us any, yeah, any differences to the mm. book because we haven't read it and it would be really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you can do that by contacting us on Twitter where we're at Kvikminderpod, K-V-I-K-M-Y-N-D-A-P-O-D. We're also on threads now. Oh, I know, we had to get out of Elon Musk. Jumped on the bandwagon. Everyone's there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also on Instagram, and you can email us at quickminderpod at gmail.com. Just let us know, because we always like hearing from you, and uh, it might make some sense of the film. Yeah, people might be able to explain the bits that we didn't understand as well. Yeah, and it sounds a little bit like we've been a bit hard on this film. Yeah, but I had a perfectly fun time with it. Same. It's just in hindsight, there's a lot of holes, and it's not quite what it is aiming at. You know, mm. I, I said it when we were talking about the kind of Hollywood aspirations, the worldwide market. Like it, it's only a small budget film, and mm. it's doing a lot with that budget. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it isn't a Hollywood film on the kind of budget mm. level. But it's also not there quite on the old uh, script front either. But the film is out on the 14th of August in the UK. So that's just around the corner. And I would say give it your time. It's a lot of fun. Some familiar faces, some great destinations in Iceland. And you can have a laugh with us when you (laughs) listen to this. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's uh, Operation Napoleon, colon, Frozen Conspiracy. Do you know what I think now, Rob? Take that plot hole you you had and just let it go. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> because it's frozen. Yes. <laughs> so good. God. Let, let go. As with our chat about Rift, I really enjoyed discussing the film in order to get my mind around the plot. I'm not sure we were so successful with our chat this time, if indeed we were before. So if we missed something, you've got thoughts and theories, or if you know the book well, then please get in touch. I also enjoyed getting a glimpse of Reykjavik as it looks at the moment. It's been a few years since I was there, and to see how built up the seafront is now behind the Sun Voyager sculpture was cool and sad in equal measure. I'll be back soon, and I have a feeling Reykjavik will be a little different to the city I last saw in 2019. And yes, that is me angling for an invitation. Truly, though, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with another episode in the near future. See you soon. Tak, God bless. Thanks and goodbye. <laughs>